All right. Well, welcome everybody to episode three of the podcast. I'm Kyle, my co-host. Hello, Hello Kyle. I'm David. How are you? And our special guest today is my lovely wife, Dina. Hi, everyone. I was wondering why you guys are in the same room. <laughs> what are we supposed to distancing? Or, you know, you're not supposed I, to be in the same distance area. From the other side of the wall, you know. Well, why she, not? She zooms in on the conversation. I needed <laughs> to leave my office for the first time today. That's a good point. Is your office just on the other side of the wall? It is. It's on the other side of this wall. Ah, to our ever, left. I've only ever seen Kyle's office. To the windows, to the walls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that little John? That was a little no. bit, was it? That was the East Side Boys, right? Look, I mean, what you just the Yin Yang Twins? Is this fact, fact check Kyle already? But fact no, check I, think it, I think it was the East Side Boys. I think you were correct. Maybe. Fact check David. Little John. I'm not in with the, I'm not really, you know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know why I'm telling you. I'm not well versed with the uh, club bangers from the early 2000s, so. You're studying hard and that. Trying. <laughs> Someone's got to study that kind of thing. So, as we always like to kick off the show with uh, our drinks of choice, and we like to lead off with our guests to lead it off. Okay. Well, today in front of me, I have a lovely glass of red wine from Orin Swift Vineyard named Machete. Oh, hell yeah. And for oh, those of you that'll eventually watch this uh, video, the label is of a woman exiting a white old car, literally carrying two machetes. And I just felt like it was the perfect embodiment of everything I strive to be in life here <laughs> in this bottle of wine. There's nothing wrong with that. What kind of wine is it or what kind of red? So it is a red blend. It's a, it's a petite Syrah blend and it's fairly dark and it's extremely berry. Like you get a lot of berry notes, but I'm tasting also like a heavy cream on the back end. Ooh. Heavy cream? Is, mm -hmm. Like as in like... Like a whipped cream. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Is that a Napa or a, uh, you know, California wine? It is a California wine. What year? Um, it is a 2018. And I believe that they source their grapes from a bunch of different vineyards uh, around, the, around the United States, including Stagecoach, which is kind of interesting. Um, but Orin Swift, there's actually a good story about Orrin Swift in general. So like when I was 21 and moved into my own apart first like big girl apartment uh, and I was living in Shadyside, Pittsburgh at the time, my best friend, Brian Moore, whom you have met at our wedding, um, brought me a bottle of this wine called The Prisoner. And <laughs> um, the label of the wine is like this depiction of this man like being tortured uh but given our sixth sense of humors i wound up really loving it so a couple years later after the prisoner experience kyle and i met and about a couple months after us meeting we decided that we were going to go on a wine tour to napa and sonoma very exciting um it was. And you should always do the private tours. Like we got it from our buddy who was in the wedding. He gave us like a, a guy's like call, number to call. And I like, it was just like, 
who what was his name? It was like Paulie or something. And it was like you called, and he's like, "What's the, like what's the name of the company? Should I look it up?" He's like, "No, just call the number." I'm like, "All right, I guess." And like it was the guy was really nice. He's like, "Oh yeah, we'll pick you up where you stay in. We'll take you to a few different places. Like, what do you like to drink?" you know what are you feeling you know and and they just basically picked us up at like our airbnb we went to one place in town in napa and then we basically no pangloss we went to pangloss in town in sonoma and then we went up going to two napa ones it was Mm -hmm. great like so backdoor access like to like the you know the vineyards and (laughs) i probably should use a better word than backdoor access (laughs) (laughs) you should not actually i think that one was that one was well played so our favorite winery from that tour was a, a winery called Mackenzie Mueller. Highly recommend. They, the, the person that is the winemaker is a fifth generation winemaker specializing in Cab Francs. So we really loved them and we had wound up joining a wine club. Um, and that was what, in 2015, September of 20? Yeah. October, September, October of 2015. So it's been a while we've been getting wine from them. Um, so recently my friend, Paul, whom you've also met, that was also at our wedding, uh, his, his family, uh, has lived, uh, between Napa and Philly for the last several years. And his dad recommended Warren Swift. Little did I know that when Paul recommended the winery to me that Warren Swift was the original creator of the prisoner wine. Oh, that's awesome. I was talking about before. So our second wine club is now Orin Swift. And I love their wines. And I especially love their Mercury Head wine. uh, But it's super expensive. And I'm waiting to open it for another day. But they specialize in um, like shorter life wines that taste really, really, really good. Are, are those anything you can find out in the uh, the liquor stores around us? Are they open? <laughs> <laughs> mean they're open. I mean, I actually, I'm not sure. So I will tell no. you the great thing about Orin Swift, and I'm not promoted by them, but like I should be, is that they have several distribution points around the United States. So their primary one is obviously in California, but they have a secondary distribution point out of New York, which is where all of our wines come from. Right. So if you place an order and you're on the East Coast, then you'll probably wind up getting your wines like within a couple days. You don't necessarily have to wait, which is lovely. Yeah, the wine club that we got into out uh, on the last trip ships out of New York. So I don't know, you know, what the distribution situation is there. But I feel like also when, when you go out there, the advice to us was do not join the first wine club that you're offered. I mean, especially Correct. because you're going to be drinking there the whole night. But I'm surprised to hear that you've been into a wine club for what, like five years now. That's, yeah. a, that's a long time to be in that game without, you know, kind of either exhausting yourself on the wine or being like, this is ridiculous. I can't drink this fast. We love it. We Y'all are thirsty. Uh, Mackenzie Mueller thirsty, also thirsty. has an amazing 2015 Pinot Noir that um, we have bought like six bottles at a time. My mom also buys about six bottles of this 2015 Pinot Noir as well. It's out of this world. So let me caveat is I like the wine. I drink the wine. I have no idea how much wine comes. So <laughs> <laughs> It just shows up when I drink it. 
it's that infosec life. I mean, like, what else do you do we have in life to unwind if not for some booze? <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. We're typically not social people. Nobody really wants to hang out and do stuff together. It's like, well, I guess I could just keep looking at code or I could drink and watch Rick and Morty. I will tell right. you, though, it was a very close call between wine and tequila. So my friend Kat Fitzgerald, who's one of my favorite Pittsburgh infosec people as well, uh, turned uh, turned me on to drinking tequilas, different types of tequilas, especially like an aged tequila. So it was a tough choice, but I went because they think that the wine is a little bit of a better story behind it. And Kat, if you're going to listen, we're going to have you on. Hope to have you so on I too. saved it for you. <laughs> nice bump. Way to plug so, that in there. Yeah. So what are you what are you drinking? I think oh, I went so, last yeah, time. I don't I don't really know what's going on here. Um <laughs> I have something today called the uh tiny dictator uh reserve rye barrel aged. So this was apparently aged in copper fox barrels. Never heard of it. I don't know, but it's out of uh Virginia. Uh, a friend of mine um handed that to me as a I'm going on a uh uh, a keto diet and I can't drink this so please drink it for me and enjoy it so it's been in my fridge for probably about five months now and uh, I'm gonna open it and see what's going on inside it's from a brewery in Charlottesville nope Ashburn Ashburn Virginia called Dynasty Dynasty never had anything from there I well, try to stay out of Ashburn also it's also you said it's in it was Asian rye barrels like, yes oh that's gonna be that's, sweet sorry it's an imperial uh imperial stout so it's kind of like the first um Oh, so. uh, the first beer that I had, the the Trogues impending yeah. descent, right? Yeah. So today's glass, if you're interested oh, yeah. in glassware, yep, glassware, uh, I didn't, glassware. I didn't want to double dip into the Sonic and Knuckles experience again, but I just got this um, golden Sonic uh, shadow glass. And if you can uh, really Kinda see the, 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 the gold on it um, with the way the lighting is today, but it's also from the Answer Brewery. Um, my favorite glass. I think it'll probably show up a little bit better after I pour this stout into it. What's it say on the other side? Oh, answer. Uh, so the answer, answer yeah. Let me, let me get a nice full pour going on here. How, how many glasses have you purchased since the last podcast? Uh, so, yeah, this is a good question. Um, and it's it's kind of embarrassing also. I, I was having this conversation with the, the buddy of mine, Ryan uh, Griff, that got me into... Uh, see, we got oh, you can little, see the gold. Oh, now. yeah. The, the gold. Really cool. yeah. Yeah. It's do yeah, that looks good there. So we're yeah, gonna so be this... getting glasses now. My best glass is from Burial in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, I gotta get some of their stuff. Highly they ship. Also, you know they ship? <laughs> no, I did not know they shipped. Yeah, I read an article um, a day or two ago about how a lot of those places out in Ash um, Asheville, Asheville, are shipping their beers out, and Burial was one of them. That's such good news. So, um, they have really good stuff. Where was anyway, I? Oh. Oh, the glass story, right? So um, I'm walking my dog yesterday and I started to think like how many glass, pieces of glass, how much glassware is it, con is it considered a piece of glass? I don't know. How, how much glass do I have coming to my house? And the best number that I could think of was seven glasses. I had seven coming. Uh, I got four that day that I completely forgot there was a double in the shipment. So it was a four box instead of a two. Uh, I got like five, I think I get five today. I think I have seven outstanding right now. So I'm ready to cut it off for, for a little bit. I, I think I've stocked up very well. So I think, I think your glass habit is worse than my shoe habit. Well, my shoe, no, your shoe habit's so. a little bit more expensive than my glass habit. 
I don't know. We should compare prices someday. Let's not. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need to write this on a financial disclosure form anywhere. Right. This sounds beautiful. Right. Anyway, um, I, I enjoy the glassware. I think it really helps out. I mean, I don't know. Gives gives me yeah. some nice, nice fulfillment of what I'm drinking. Validation. <laughs> so what about you? What do you have? I'm going to take a sip of this and uh, report back. So I ordered this from Strange Roots earlier this week. And it's this, I think this is the second time I've seen it in the last like two months, but it's called uh, Kool-Aid, the Kool-Aid Concord Grape. So basically it's uh, a, a fruited sour uh, ale with Concord grape juice. But here's the nice thing. Most sours sit around like five and a half, maybe hit seven, some of them. This one's eight. It's a big boy. You know what that can looks like? Member berries, you know, from South Park. Uh. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Hey, you guys remember 2019 when we could do stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, I remember. Listen, remember I'm starting the big trio in July, and I just, I think that I that this year does not deserve my 30th birthday. Oh, we're going to party. Let's figure something out. Are we? From yeah, six true. feet away? Yeah. <laughs> Man. We so, were supposed so, to be going to Nashville. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's not happening. Yeah, that's not happen I was about to say no, we weren't, but yes, we were. Yes, we were. <laughs> Sorry about that. So you, uh, you mentioned Strangers, Kyle. What, uh, what location is that? This is the Mill uh, Vale. Mill Vale? Mill Vale? Mill Vale. How does the Pittsburghese say it? Um, Don and Mill Vale. I actually didn't even know about it until <laughs> Dina went to... Asheville. Asheville. I went beer tasting in Asheville without Kyle. Yeah, and then she, like, I think you knew about it, but then, like, mm -hmm. someone down at, like, a brewery down in Asheville, like, was like, oh, you guys have really good sours up there at Strangers, and I was like, I was looking for sours that were more than, like, 5%. But the, the key is, in Asheville, is that it's a barrel-aged sour. So, apparently, Strangers used to do this, and maybe we can get confirmation from them one day, is that they used to do barrel-aged, and it just didn't kick off as well. Because I think it was at the height of the, you know, hazy IPA, same time. But they still exist. It's a really cool location in Millville. Like a really nice outdoor patio. Obviously, that's all I can see from my car right now. Inside looks like it's pretty decent size. Yeah, uh, I would go there. You know, once and we can. One <laughs> yeah, day. for anybody local in Pittsburgh, that used to be the uh, old Dry Log facility, or you know, it, it was named Dry Log before uh, little ownership modification to the branding and. Um, some other changes but they you know one of their things and i was hoping to get down there um to the gibsonia location one of the things that i really like from them is the anything that they do that's like um uh, belgiany like they're they're a real down to earth i mean literally they don't really put extra microbes in their beer they just open top ferment and let anything come in from nature and, and flavor it up so a lot of their stuff is really good. Um, and I haven't really given them the time of the day, unfortunately, since they changed from dry log to strangers because I was probably a little bit more afraid than I should have been, but. Um, no, that's your personality. That makes sense. Stuff changed and I don't like it. <laughs> but it's, uh, I like the place. Uh, I mean, I have something to give you too. They have, they make some stuff, interesting stuff. Like I probably won't have it on here, but they made like this seltzer that was like cherry and lime. It was interesting. It was like a fermented seltzer. So it was interesting. But anyways, how, what's that taste like? Oh, man. So this is a 13% beer. Oh. Um, and I can't taste 13% alcohol in here. I don't know where it all is. Um, Hashtag scary. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. 
<laughs> um, it's boozy for sure, but it, it doesn't burn like like I would expect it to. You know, Does it tastes sweet. Like the like the um, rye? it's a little sweet. Um, it it's light on malt. It's really it, it's really nice. Um, nice to sip on. I bet it's gonna taste a little bit better when it warms up. Um. Yeah, I can't. I don't really know what else to say about it. I'm sorry, I only have one. A lot of these beers that I'm going to pull out of my cellar are beers that I wanted to like split with people. I don't like to drink a 16 ounce beer, you know, typically by myself. Or what well, we're going to do a uh, social distancing podcast from a driveway here soon. One of these days, right? It's going to happen. Yeah, and we have to. Yeah, but I have some big boys. I have some real, real sizable bottles that I can't, you know, and don't want to drink by myself. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I'm disappointed I couldn't share this one. This was really good. I think you would have liked it. Sounds those. amazing. Then you said rye, which I wasn't big on rye. Maybe one day I'll drink some bourbon and, on a, a podcast, but I wasn't big on rye until I think you made me drink rye, probably. You know what it was? We were in Maryland and Justin. Yeah. yeah. Your old coworker yeah. had you drink a Templeton rye old fashioned. That's right. Templeton rye? Yeah, you can put like a distant orange slice in it. That's it. And it was like drinking like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it was really good. It was really good. Because rye is a really, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be claiming to be a bourbon person, like connoisseur, but they're sweeter, right? So, and sometimes they have really weird taste. I might taste buds. Yeah. But, so but this, grape, this grape stuff tastes like grape juice. That's a big like, <laughs> The grape juice that you used to get like as a kid, you know, oh, during cool. lunch. Too bad you didn't have like a Kool-Aid man glass. Wow. It really does. Like it doesn't taste boozy at all. Yeah, it actually does taste like um like the grape the Concord yeah. grape juice from like Welchers. Welchers. Yeah, you remember that with the little I, girl I with the curly hair that was for it? We still have some of that in my house, I think, for my two kids. You got some of this, right? You did a pickup, you just haven't picked it up yet. Uh yeah, I got two four packs coming, so I'm I'm excited to try that one out for sure. And they're the uh they what they put out a pineapple tart burst, the pineapple last weekend. How was that? Is that all right? You can save that uh, for you'll, future you'll, you'll like that. You, mm-hmm. You'll really like that one. Um, I wish it was higher ABV again. It yeah. was, I think it was in the, I think near six. I think it's five eight or something. But it's good. Um, the nice thing with the sours is if you have a couple of them, or maybe not this one because this one's a little more potent. But you can have a couple of them and still be okay, right? Like whereas yeah. if you crush that whole bottle, that's probably all you're gonna drink tonight. Oh, I mean, I had besides the Michelob Ultra that I pre-gamed with, you know. <laughs> This might be it for me. I see my face get a little bit redder as the the, the podcast goes on. It's not from the sun. So, so I I wanted to get to talk to Dean a little bit, and not to to skip way ahead of the beer, but uh, you know, for for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, you know, international worldwide podcast here. Kyle and Dean and I all used to work together at the uh, coordination center here in Pittsburgh, and. Dina recently left us to go do some other stuff. Dina, what do you what do you do now? Oh man, remembering all of the good times. Remember, 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 remember the fourth floor. <laughs> so I am uh, the product security incident response team lead at Rockwell Automation. I am here not representing my employer but so these opinions are my own and not that of Rockwell Automation so oh absolutely I left the CERT coordination center um back in November and I started at Rockwell in December and have been there since coordinating uh 
So PCERT work, you, um, so as part of the CERT Coordination Center, where the, the other part of the CERT Coordination Center where you guys aren't is the vulnerability analysis team that typically coordinates vulnerabilities for the world. And I think Madison Oliver, who was on the podcast last week, uh, she is um, kind of at the helm of that. So from a PCER perspective, Rockwell has a vulnerability management process whereby we accept vulnerability reports from the public and of course um, make a risk assessment and hopefully eventually fix them for our products. Oh man, Don't, so it's just, it's just Rockwell stuff. It's not you know, across the industry anywhere. You're not trying to coordinate outside of like vendor space. No, so that typically sits in the CERT Coordination Center bucket or like the ICS CERT bucket. So they'll coordinate between vendors. We're only interested really in um, Rockwell automation products or things that have the Rockwell automation brand. Jeez, how much brand is there? I mean, like uh, people, I guess, I guess the thing to say, like ask is people outside of like not living in the vendor world might not understand like how big Rockwell is or like what, what exactly a, a Rockwell product is. Right. Because yeah. Just, so that's, yeah. We, we're worried about like phones and tablets and, you know, stuff you can actually physically touch, like, you know, your webcam, right. Or your, your laptop. Industrial. So Rockwell Automation focuses on things that are found uh, in the industrial control system world or the ICS world. So we make anything um, from PLCs that are implants to HMIs that allow um, users to interact with, with those PLCs. Um, across the board, though, Rockwell Automation has about 28,000 people that work for them. Oh, geez. Uh, so it's very big, and therefore we have a lot of different software and firmware products. Um, an interesting story about Rockwell, though, is um, so they acquired a company called Reliance Electric in the 90s. And my mom, who's a software engineer, started her career at Reliance Electric, uh, which was acquired by Rockwell. And now I work at Rockwell. And it's super funny because one of her old um, coworkers found me like the second day. And like, so I, I work remotely, but my team is out of Mayfield Heights in Ohio. And he like, crept in and looked at me and said, I know you, you look just like your mother. Like you must be Dina and like totally came full circle for me. <laughs> that's crazy. Do, do, do you find that a lot of your life seems to come full circle in situations like this? Because I mean, that's two stories in, in you know, 20 minutes here. Yes. Synchronicity. <laughs> is that important to you? It is. It is the world revolve. I mean, you'll find that a lot of things do come full circle and it's a really interesting moment to kind of sit in that. You're terrified of what so my mom was writing code for like she was writing firmware back in 1986 and like my big fear is that that's sitting somewhere on some like server what you mean like a rockwell server or a chinese yeah. server, <laughs> no, no, or no, no, server which... please don't wish that upon me <laughs> oh i don't i mean listen I'm, that's that's your own problem to deal with if it shows up at my door someday then it turns into my problem at cert but you know i'm, I'm hoping to not see stuff like that I mean, actually it could be cool but how many times you rebooted your router in the last just uh, uh, once once and I rebooted my workstation yesterday so I'm probably up to date with all the patches and all the malware it's and online all the, and, and all kicking off all the adversaries mm -hmm. 
Make them get back. Someone has to keep track of what I'm doing. And it's not me because I'm, you know, you clearly know I'm not organized enough to do this myself. <laughs> oh, so good. So, so what, good. what else, um, I don't know, what else, what else are you working on? Like, like, do you miss anything at CERT? Like not being around besides, you know, me and Kyle, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, so like I grew up at CERT, you know, I started my career there when I was, I think I got hired on at 22 and I left at 29. Uh, so I had a really good run. I think the biggest thing that I miss at CERT is, so uh, the, I have a lot of accolades that I will give you guys, but I think the biggest thing that I would take for granted was the ability to um, kind of dive into your different, uh, the different folks that CERT works with. So you can work within industry and you can work within government uh, and you can work within different parts of the government as well. And that's extremely rare, even for an FFRDC. So um, I used to be in an, in a position where I could be interacting with, law enforcement one day, Department of Homeland Security the next day, interacting with industry the day after that, and be able to kind of pull that cord. And I think that's something that's super important that a lot of other organizations uh, don't really have. And Rockwell's not really in, a, in the position, you know, they're just not a coordination center, but I'm happy that I was able to kind of bring that into Rockwell a little bit. I have a pretty big network and my management does too. Um, so my director is somewhat new to Rockwell and like her, she's also, she also comes from the peace search space and like her network is so good that I think between the two of us, like we have really good visibility. Um, it's all about yeah. who you know. And this goes back to our conversation, like our first, the pilot podcast where we we're talking about like missing out on, you know, Vegas okay. summer camp. Right. And how like it was all, it's more about the networking and the people and all that. It just, it really is. And it's crazy yeah. how, I mean, that's how I got my job at CERT. You know, it was an email. It was a, a text to a friend who knew someone who, Mike Hanley, who will hopefully have on here. I talked to him about it. Who's also our matchmaker. He's also the matchmaker. And he runs like part of Duo Security. Yeah, which was bought <laughs> by Cisco. So he, he left too. But like he, you know, and that's a full circle, like of networking and like you knew someone, you get somewhere and stuff like I that. I think that this podcast should be entitled this episode, Full Circle. We've been talking, this is the third time we've talked about things. Yeah, we can start getting titles. Like, I don't, like, they're always like episode two. This one could be episode three. Like, last podcast on the left, which is my favorite podcast, aside from this podcast. That's right. Oh, thanks. Highly recommend. If they need a sponsor, let me know. Absolutely. And if you're you're listening for the first time on Podbeam, we are now on the Apple uh, podcast. You can find us out there as well. I'm working on getting us on Google Play and hopefully on Spotify too. And hopefully, you know, by the end of the year, we'll have a Joe Rogan deal. Yes. Hit me with that Spotify money. <laughs> right. So, uh, I mean, that's a good callback to like the first, the first conversation that we had about networking, because I know I gave Kyle a lot of accolades for being super, super connected in the world, but I don't know how much of that, like was Kyle now that I think about it, but like Dina is also really well connected and when we would you know talking about vegas in the beer park again just remember going to beer park last year for well, that wasn't me that was her and just like connections there's like this person and this person this person this person this person and you walk around you meet all these people and you're like how the hell did you know everybody like you're like oh just remember you're kind of like that guy in uh in veep i don't know if you've watched veep just started watching that one 
just you know you're supposed to know everybody and everybody's interests in the room and where they that's, work and stuff and that's like you. that's yeah i mean being yeah. In that, like I'll, I'll, I'll yeah I'll, I'll pick up like but just being in that in that sort of situation is you know it's it's overwhelming from my side because i'm not that well connected i lived in you know just like you i i took one job out of college i had nine years there i had a great run so here's the thing uh being in the position that i'm at, at in right now i'm extremely grateful for those connections because i think to be a good p-cert lead or to even be involved in p-cert stuff i think you need to have a, a skill set whereby like you have you have to not be afraid to go and jump into those awkward situations with new people. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of folks in our field, and I get this way too. I mean, you can ask Kyle, I think the older I get a little bit, I get a little bit more and more introverted, but being in PCERT and being like the face of PCERT, you really have to be, to put yourself out there. And that also means so I don't know, just like a little segue. So is that there's an organization called FIRST um, and it's the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. And I was at the PCERT Technical Colloquium, which was held out of NetApp in Raleigh this, this past year. It was the last trip that I took before um, the, the pandemic took off. But one of, uh, one of the folks from Microsoft gave a talk about how, um, in this role, when you're interacting with different researchers and reporters, under, trying to understand like where they're coming from and having that empathy and asking the right questions and being as forthright and as like vulnerable as possible is actually one of the ways that you develop success as somebody that's in my role. So anybody that is looking into being P-certs um, or interacting with different folks on the internet, I think, trying to understand that the person you're talking to might be introverted um, or might be neurodiverse in a different way and not being afraid to go out and talk to them is going to be the biggest thing that will help you like level up in your career if that's oh, something yeah. that you're interested in coming to peace or not you necessarily but. no 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 but it's just it's, it's hard like I understand like I've worked with people that you know you mm -hmm. probably couldn't drag outside unless you know it was eight to four working hours right and they just they're yeah. just not they're just not into it and even though like the company that i worked for was <clears throat> technically a consulting company right you're supposed to be hiring the people that are able to go out and talk to people but like it really wasn't it was about engineers so even though your title said consultant you're really an engineer in the back room not necessarily hidden but like you're supposed to have some sort of social skill i guess and i don't mean that in a bad way like if you're not social you're not going to get ahead but like no, I think if you if you're if you feel like you're more introverted, I think that you like that's great, and you can pursue like a career that plays off of those strengths. You know, mm -hmm. like I just I'm not as so like for example, right? Um, I think that at least when I was at CERT, I was able to make friends with the people that were extremely into their work and they were only doing that type of thing, right? And I think the biggest thing that I learned is you just got, you got to find the one thing that you're good at and like somebody like me can come around and like pull the string if needed and you're benefiting and then so am I, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That it's just all about what you're good at, finding the thing that you're good at. 
And I don't even know if I'm like good so, at like piecer stuff. You know, you I'm just social okay enough to ask because, the questions. You know. <laughs> I mean, I think it also. Well, that's true. Also, too. but like you. Go ahead. Oh yeah, well you're you're also uh, kind enough to give credit. Like I'm sure there's a lot of people in your situation or in the role that you know similar roles as you that will like. They'll go to that engineer, they'll go to those analysts, and they'll get the information that they need, and then they will not pass any credit along. They'll just be like, oh, I found all this stuff out. And then, yeah, that you know, like does not fly because eventually somebody will. Work. Like, you were always, you were always very gracious about that. Well, thank you. I, so I take, I'll come back. I am a big believer, you know, I think at one point in my career, I thought that I could do it all. You know, like I thought that I could just be Wonder Woman and do all the things, but really like the only way that you are able to get anything done is with the help of other people. So for those people that don't give credit, like I think that karma get in is out to get them because somebody's going to find out that you don't know what you're talking about. Like I am not a reverse engineer, right? I know like this much and you guys know like this much, right? Like an inch versus a mile. Um, And I think for anybody that's new or starting out or anybody that is in a position where they can enact change, like giving credit where credit is due is like the biggest thing, the biggest piece of advice that I could give because it'll only benefit you long term like you'll develop those connections you will be able to stand on your own two feet and i think it's a really rewarding and validating thing to say like these are the things that i'm good at like this inch of stuff is what i'm good at and this other mile are other people and that's how you build that sort of community that's how you build a good team that's how you build a great team and and also like good networks too and friendships and whatever they might Turn into, I'll tell you. So at Rockwell, um, I don't want to talk like too much about it, but I'm going to give um, some accolades where they are due. My team at Rockwell is kick-ass. Like I am, I have, was so lucky to walk into a group of people that are easy to talk to, that are helpful, that want to see good things happen. And I was so scared when I made that leap that I wouldn't have that same sort of community that I had at CERT. And I think we're like, I'm developing that just by way of like the nature at Rockwell. But the other thing is my red team at Rockwell is awesome. And I want to, by working with them, kind of bring them to the forefront because like they deserve it, right? Like that's my big thing, at least in, in the information security community, you have a lot of people that are InfoSec famous or what have you. And like, I don't want to be InfoSec famous, but I'm happy. Like I want other people to receive the credit that they deserve. And if mm-hmm. I can like help that, then that means that I'm doing good. I don't think there's anything wrong with what you just said. And I don't have anything to add to that other than you <laughs> know, do I. golf claps, maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> I, I, I think what you said really just kind of builds off of like, or it's like a, like a, a different iteration of like, you know, the golden rule of, you know, always treat people the way that you want to be treated. Right. And you don't want to ever just stomp on anybody. I mean, like you shouldn't ever want to just stomp on anybody and take credit for something that you didn't really have any, you know, any invested interest other than, you know, advancement or success of your own, Mm -hmm. you know, doing 
right? I mean, we all know people that have been there. I mean, yeah. I explicitly know. I mean, I can go back to the days of the performance reviews at NSA as a Govy and like how I hated them because you always had to say, I, 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 I did all this. And That's like, what's all about. I right? did it. And I didn't. Like, yeah. I never did. And like, and I think I suffered because I was honest, right? Whereas I knew people who maybe didn't exactly tell the truth and, you know, they would get promoted. Not in my same teams or divisions, but like in other teams, because then you know I have friends across you know things. But so it's like, you know, you I think at the end of the day that comes back like you were saying, like the karma, like it's it's karma get in. You don't Full get like circle. You know, yes, yes, your name might be on the paper or the blog <laughs> post, but you know that like you probably pinged your team, right? Like to help you out on it or like give a second opinion or yeah, hey, I think nothing I think is, this. Nothing is done in a vacuum, you know, like even like the our most mundane things that we do day to day like kyle and i are obviously married like we tag team even like the most basic tasks in our home you know you can't it's hard to do, do things as an individual contributor of one you know? oh yeah yeah for sure what do you think about like uh ghosts dina oh yes <laughs> <laughs> all right well no sorry so, there's absolutely literally no segue are we not like, talking no. about work now <laughs> other than like I'm, I'm sitting over here thinking about las vegas and i remember just you know when, when we went out in april last year for your uh your wedding and ending up at uh you know uh the haunted museum right <clears throat> i probably one it. of the weirdest days that i can remember in a long time um so are we done talking about work do you want to still talk about work before we jump into ghosts no, no because i think you all wrapped it up you all wrapped it up like very nicely as far as okay. like so i love talking about ghosts and <laughs> when we all became friends a trifecta a triangle me kyle and dave <laughs> we all bonded because of the amazing show called Ghost Adventures with Zach Beggins and friends. Okay? Or as we call it, Ghosts vs. Bros. Ghosts versus Bros. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I want to give credit where credit is due since that's the theme of this podcast, that Jay from Ghost Adventures is the real MVP. Okay, mm -hmm. I have watched him, I feel like, actually do all of the ritualistic stuff that incites the ghosts, and I feel like he does not get enough credit. One of the funniest things about Jay on that show is that like he'll sit in a room with somebody doing like a seance or something and be like, you're totally doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Because he's read Aleister Crowley and all of those people to actually do it right. And he is the real MVP of that show, yes. And then they put him in the room, you know, to watch video cameras most of the time. Yeah. Have you watched like last few? Like he's oh, they're always, so good. He, he gets placed like... Uh, Aaron. Aaron is always the one like where Zach's like, Aaron, go there. And like Aaron's been saying no. So he's like, Jay, can you go in the basement and lock the door behind you and turn off all the lights and just not even use your camera light? Can we Jay's like, sure, I'll go down. True. Let's talk think... about Billy for a moment. I feel like he is Zach's protege. He's trying. He's trying. He's giving it a go, isn't he? he I mean, is it's a good step in. It a go. Did you guys watch it when, uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, Nick, Nick, not Nick Kroll. Oh, my God. Post Malone. Post Malone. <laughs> that was the yes, best. How great did. was the hold on? How great was the Post Malone episode, by the way? 
Do you remember that time? I feel like so great. I might have to watch it tonight. Do you I'm remember so that good. time we went into the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas as owned by Zach Bagans <laughs> and I wouldn't let Kyle look in the mirror because oh, yeah. it was the day before our wedding? That is that is one thousand percent true, and uh, I can I can vouch I saw nothing in that mirror after staring in so, it. So I will tell you, I brought I brought some some props today. Oh, you did? What did you bring? So I brought two props. And these are my tarot decks. Oh yeah! Oh geez. So the first is the Way Home wait, wait, Tarot. Wait, wait, pause for a second. You're oh oh wait. It was so disappointing. You thought it was like a possessed doll. <laughs> oh, I was waiting. For... <laughs> I'm over here it's waiting for like a doll you know, that we voodoo doll or some shit, and hits me. I, anyway, or like some ahead. Palo go Santo. Well, like you're gonna hit me with a piece of wood, and you bring out like, oh. boxes of cards. So I will. <laughs> I will tell you, I have offered to Palo Santo or otherwise, like, smoke cleanse Dave and his family. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're probably messed up. Like, we need, we need all if of If they stuff. need it. Yeah. But I have my two tarot, two tarot decks here. The first is the Way Home Tarot, all right. which was created by um, two women. Um and the one person, Bakara Winter and Autumn Whitehurst. So Bakara Winter owns a um, magic shop in Rawl or sorry, in Durham called Everyday Magic. And I've been following her for years and she created this deck and I wound up meeting her also. The second deck I have is an Oracle deck called Postcards from the Liminal Space. Where's the uh, liminal space? Is that like in between? you know, earth in regular space or is it's that It's kind else? of like those moments of the full circle that we've been talking about, mm. like kind of identifying like what those mean. So between these two things, you can buy them at Everyday Magic on the internet. Shout out to them. Still not sponsored by them, but I should be. <laughs> um. <laughs> now you're claiming sponsorships. First of all, if anybody gets sponsored, it's David and I. No. It's going to be me for how much I love these tarot cards. Can you explain <laughs> to people what? Why do you have two? I yeah, don't well, know. It's do not you, like it's not. It's not like a pretext weighted question. And how, how did, did you answer this? How did you also like? How do you know why what you're you doing other than like pulling random things out of the deck? Like, how do you know exactly what you're doing? Okay, so a couple things. So let me are you, answer. Are you classically <laughs> trained in the tarot?s Okay, I have a couple. Let me classically. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Okay, so I actually have four decks. So I have these I have no two. decks. <laughs> I have these two. I have the classic Rider Waite tarot deck that I think most people like who have ever gotten a tarot reading or what have you have, have looked at. And then I have a, <laughs> a second deck, which is a really pretty like art deco version of the Rider Waite tarot deck. You told me to bring... You want to discuss fun stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> shocked. I don't know. Like, you're talking to, like, you're, you might as well be speaking different So objects. as for, um, so I think a lot of times people, like, you think about, like, the fortune teller that's trying to read your fortune, right? Like, that's what you think of when you think of tarot. Uh, and I have a little bit of a funny story, too, I think. The other reason that I really like tarot actually has something to do like with my job and it's a little less with tarot, but just with like the occult that when I was at CERT, we had this joke that we could just divine the future. And one of our, um, <laughs> one of our like logos was going to be like a Ouija board because sometimes people look to CERT 
I mean, people really do look to CERT as the canonical source of information. Like it's mm -hmm. always accurate, it's up to date and things like that. So, but other times people would email the CERT Coordination Center, like kind of looking for like what the future is going to be and none of us know, right? <laughs> well. None of us know. <laughs> Except so, for like, like Will Dorman and the vault team, right? Uh, in Madison. Like the Ouija board was going to be, and like the planchette was going to be like the team logo. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so I, I joke cool. about that I mean, now. I wish, I wish that was the thing. Like I'd like to like slap some of those on my door, you know, the next time yeah. I go to, get to see my office. So now that I'm at Rockwell, like I've brought that kind of into Rockwell because we from the PCERT like kind of like are in a similar role, right? Like we're supposed to, we give guidance and we do like all of these things. But a lot of the times we're like kind of divining like what people are caring about and things like that. Yeah. But to get back to the tarot. Okay. So there are 78 cards in a tarot deck divided between the major and minor arcana, which I think is how you say it, because they've only really read it, you know, not necessarily like heard a lot of people talk about it, but they're supposed to represent all of human existence. So you've probably experienced um, the feeling in the cards at one point in a, or another just by nature of you being human. But the idea is not necessarily to tell the future from my perspective, this is what I believe, but to help you figure out the present. So if you have a question, yes, you can I, help. I, I have one question. How many jokers are in the deck? <laughs> None, because it's real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's gotta be one in there. It's, oh, oh yeah, joker, there are jokers behind you. Uh, yeah. See, well done. But anyway, have, to like, go, I, you know. but Jay, Jay from Ghost Adventures, you know, I feel like has to be into this. <laughs> Jay's up on that. So, so do you do that? Like, who, who do you read for? Do you read for Kyle ever? I have. Does Kyle ever walk yeah. up to you and he's like, oh man, is today the day I shave my beard and you pull out the tarot card deck? And I'm and like, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what it says, you just no. say yes. Fu, Fu Manchu with a flavor saver. <laughs> Manchu flavor saver. No, I think I've read you once and it was a career. You, It was a trying to, we had a, a career decision in front of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But so, um, from what I understand, you shouldn't read yourself because you're always going to be biased for yourself. And it's also hard to read like loved ones. So um, my grandmother, who has just passed away, actually like last week, she used to read cards for people. And the one thing that she would say is that she doesn't do it for herself and she doesn't do it for people that she loves that are around her because you also can't be super unbiased to help determine the decision. Did you ever read for her? No. So uh, right before she passed, she was supposed to teach me how to read cards, uh, but we just never, not that I like needed help learning how to read cards, but still just to have like that family lineage, I guess. Um, like but the, we just like, didn't have a chance to, chance to get to it. Kind of like the Italian baker, like grandma trying to teach you how to, how to bake. Not that you're Italian no. or anything. Except my family, who is Italian and Croatian, who I'm sure could like cook really well, like never taught me how to do anything. Don't <laughs> worry, I don't. I don't think any of those generations are teaching anybody, regardless of what they say. Yeah. <laughs>
you have to find it online and it's probably gonna be a Rachel Ray recipe if you're really it you know, is. <laughs> into it. And then you can write it down and like burn the edges and be like, this came from the old country. <laughs> Do you remember when we used to count things by the amount of, you know, a bird crows outside before we could fill up the flower I container? Remember. I mean, I got my mom's I remember. <laughs> I got yeah, my, I remember. <laughs> I got my mom's cookbook, but you're right because like she just, she had a recipe at one point in time, but then like, made her own out of it and then never wrote it back down so all i would have is like the original original which it was obviously like oh over time she's like oh i needed two tablespoons of this as opposed to one and a half right and that changes maybe not the flavor or something but like enough to attribute to something so like cool. the thing i love actually about this deck the uh, postcards from the liminal space is that it gives you like what you actually should do so here's an example right of one of the cards and it has a coin and underneath it it says so be it so if you were to pull the card and you're asking a question of like well what do i do like should i you know do a b c and d you know or whatever you might be able to look at that card and be like okay like maybe i should let things lie or just let things kind of play out that's coin flip though like what if I don't know. What if you have so some more it. serious questions? I'm, so I'm looking, like, Whatever decision you make is the right decision. Yeah. I don't know. If I'm if I'm playing with tarot cards, I'm looking for, for like one. I'm looking for Super a straight shooter easy. here. This is the card that I give Kyle if he tells me like, should I shave my beard? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love your beard. I was gonna say the beard's not going. I love your beard. <laughs> I think not going. Or like how you think about me right now, this card says snake medicine. Snake medicine. <laughs> I think you should shuffle that deck. Like, is there anything you can ask it and do like a live internet reading? Are you, are you versed in, in uh, I don't know, e-tarot? That's a e lot of pressure. E I don't know how e that works. I think e -tarot. That, we should probably copyright that. I think e-tarot is not a thing. Oh, I'm it's sure really it's a thing already. We're, we're definitely late to this game. So no e-tarot today. I only so? say that because Dave doesn't have a question and I can't read for Kyle because he's my husband. See, here, here's and we're not together. I just feel like I know people can do it, the e-tarot, like, but I feel like being in person really is like to touch the cards and pick the ones you want. See, I thought I thought tarot always was like I have cards and I can just like start flopping them over and then I can tell you things like based on what I see. I'm a big fan of like having you pick, you know, there are sometimes if I like, if I shuffle and I like spread all the cards out, there will be cards that jump out. Oh, and that yeah. means that you have to consider those cards in the context of the reading. Just, pick, um, but, just you know, shuffle them up and car pick card number 69 for me. And, you know, let's see what happens. There are 70 cards. so 78 cards. <laughs> So when we go trash, back to the, uh, I pick this one for you, and it says trash magic. I am fucking trash magic. Sorry, That's I am you. trash magic. <laughs> there is no other way to describe me, trash magic. This but anyway, guy. I really like doing this, though. I don't know. I mean, you ask if I like ghosts, and I do, and I like uh, that kind of occult stuff. So. So what was your favorite? Uh, your when we all went to the the haunted museum, which room of that was your favorite? What did you really? I mean, I know I can I know what you didn't like. I was there for that, but what <laughs> did you like? Okay, I think the my favorite. Okay, so 
I gave a pitch out to last podcast on the left because it is like my favorite like comedy true crime podcast but they did a uh I think that they did a section on like BTK like famous like heavy hitters serial killers and there was a section in the haunted museum where they had like the BTK stuff and I think that was my favorite was that the was that the uh, the serial killer room with like yeah. the the jail cell? And, and, so I don't know. Cell. I can't remember. I know that there's stuff that's there, but I can't remember if it was that room. And I've been, you know, I've been thinking about that as I listened to the Heavy Hitters podcast with last podcast on the left. I'm trying to remember like what that room was. But anything serial killer related, like I'm here for, because I'm a white girl and I'm like down for that trope. You know, <laughs> I'm down for that trope. <laughs> What was your favorite room? Oh man, you know what? Uh, one of the rooms that I definitely remember, and it wasn't even like that good. Like I don't want to say that good of a room, but like it wasn't even that important. It was that that dude during like the uh, the freak show tricks, where he was just oh, like, right. you he remember had that guy? The, the thing, had, the tattoo on his face. Yeah, yeah he was just, Ghost Adventures. Yeah, he was hanging stuff from his face, and you're like, this is messed up. Like, what are you doing? But the the uh, the Dybbuk box rooms, the excuse me, the Dybbuk box room was awesome. I wasn't like uh, I don't think I was as freaked out there as I should have been, and I really also liked the Peggy the doll room. Yeah, I, I, I love the Pe Peggy the doll room was my favorite. Was, you actually did answer really questions too, they right? Yeah, they had the SB Seven Spirit Box in there. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna get one. You of those. ask it questions, right? And I asked it something, and it, it responded. It responded supposedly like we gotta believe it with a grain of salt, but like, you know. So at that time, when we were walking through the haunted museum, my back started excruciating. It was excruciating pain in this in this like the small of my back. I mean, like, do you remember that? I like oh, yeah. was in so much pain that I was just trying to like find a place to sit down, which there were none, of course, you know? But uh, I was, oh, no. I don't know, starting in that, where we were in like with the clown doll area, like that first room, then we walked into like the one where there were the pews, remember that? The pews and there was a oh, casket yeah, up front. Yeah, yeah. That's the, where it um, started oh, for me, it was That was terrible. the first room, that was the first room. Yeah, you guys maybe stared a skeleton in a coffin in that room, right? And literally as soon as we left, we went to our rehearsal dinner mm -hmm. because it was the perfect way to enter. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I had no pain at all at our rehearsal dinner. It was super crazy. I mean, I definitely would love to do like, remember the old, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys ever watched it on like MTV when they did like that. I think it might, it might have been, it wasn't Scared Straight because that's the one where they take the kids to prison and scare them. It was like where they wore body cameras before oh, they wore body yeah. cameras back in the day, but they went to like the West Virginia Penitentiary, which is like supposedly haunted. And they went at night and did like, you know, eight hours investigations. And it was like normal people. It wasn't like celebrities. Yeah, what yeah. was that called? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't remember, but I remember. I mean, I remember it. Yeah, I remember like, that. It was, I, like, I remember them. In, in the West Virginia Penitentiary, I remember them like freaking out about like the sugar shack. Like, don't go to the sugar shack by yourself. Right. The sugar shack. But like, oh man, I want to do, I, I, I believe it all. I want everybody to believe it all. But like at the same time, like until I see it, I can't fully oh. believe it. We have a guest know. here. Our German shepherd. His name is Stark. It just jumped up on me. Say hi. The big boy. He big. 
Um, I do though. I don't even know if I need to see anything. Like I, when I watch Ghost Adventures, like I am more interested in what's coming off of the SB7 Spirit Box. Like that is my jam. I need an SLS. Yeah. But yeah. That. From the sure. Xbox, the structured light sensor. Yeah. I just, I just don't want in my, one in my house. I need to take it somewhere else. I don't want to know if there's anything here. I don't think there's anything here. I you do. would already know. You, you should know, right? You do you know. feel as if there's something in your house? No, not this house. Do the I need to come over and pal? Oh, your old oh, house. Your old house. My old house yeah. is messed up, man. That that thing was a brand new house built on. It must have been there. There's someone dead under that house. Something remember you said like I remember the story you told me one time like you had to come home because you you had like the the sensors were like if it like something crossed it it would like trip and that tripped or something like that. Oh yeah, I mean if you'll but indulge it, me to tell the story real fast, basically yeah. we had a you know we had an entire house full of uh, security sensors and we you know would arm it every day that we went you know out of the house and would go to work and there was a number of sensors you know we had front door sensor back door sensor stair sensors living room sensors. We had sensors out the wazoo. It was, you know, the the I the, the the you know the fantastic uh, vision of IoT land where you have everything hooked up to a big network and everything was awesome. But anyway, um, I, I we got a call one day that like someone had had burgled our house through the front door. They went up the steps. They went into our living room. They went into our kitchen. They went back in the living room. They went back down the steps and then they went out the back door. And it was like, like, they're like, they're seconds apart, right? So it wasn't just that all the sensors tripped at the same time. We have like the motion recorded like seconds apart. So it definitely looks like there's somebody in the house. And uh, I run home. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got robbed. Like, let's call insurance. Can't wait to get my money because I'm going to buy new stuff. And you get to the house and the cops are waiting for me to show up. And my front door is locked. My back door is locked. There's no sign of forced entry anywhere. And you open the door and like everything is exactly like you left it in the morning. Just all the sensors decided to trip seconds apart for some strange reason. And that's not like the beginning of the end of that house. Like that, that house has got some weird history going on between like my closet, just like exploding one day. And then the we next owner exploded. that Oh man. Like, so like, I know that, that weight can break a shelf, right? I, I, I understand that gravity works and things just, you know, sometimes science. fall over, right? Sci science happens, right? Exactly. Science, science happens. happens. <laughs> but <Breathe> hard, <laughs> science happens. <laughs> that's a really good. Hashtag reads hard, science happens. I feel like that's a really good tagline. Uh, that was that was my students. Uh, uh, it was a, it was an RC four key in one of our decryption problems this year. It was reading is hard, but anyway, pro <laughs> basically point being here that uh, all of a sudden one of the days in my house, like I've had the same amount of stuff on my shelf for as long as I'd been there. I don't think I'd moved anything off and on. Then all of a sudden, like the shelf collapsed, just out of nowhere, it just fell over. Hmm. Next owner of the house died in the house. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. The whole house is strange. Like I remember seeing, I saw a shadow person once in my house. I don't know. Yeah. Did you get cold? Uh, uh, it's really hard to describe. Like I, I've seen weird shadow. I mean, here we go in the, like the, you know, public podcast scene, you know, talking about how crazy I am, but. Tell me more. I have woken up before and seen like tall shadow things walk in that house from like one side of the room to the other. And this is the same time, like, that my wife was having like terrible night terrors and they've completely stopped now that we moved out of that house and we've been settled here for a while 
Oh, that's good. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is it, is it really good? Was I haunted and demonically possessed perhaps for no, uh, so yes. a, a Here's period the thing. of time? I am yet to see, like, I, I know this might get a lot of flack, but I've yet to see a demonic possession. I'm interested in, uh, I'm interested in learning more about it, but I think, you know, we have control over our, over our homes in certain ways and in and in other ways things just don't listen to us you know that we can do all of the things uh right we can cleanse our homes and invite the, the correct things in but yet there will still be things that linger in the soil and in the things that build our house what, what the, that's what, what i've learned from ghost adventures recorded history right they're like oh yeah this house was built with stones moved from an old quarry where they they murdered people you know the london bridge one. Oh, that london bridge one was weird man well first of all yeah that in the london bridge song london bridge is falling down like the real con like the really story behind that Okay. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I know all grim nursery rhymes are freaky, like when you think about them now. No, but so listen to this. So like, okay, so Madison Oliver was on your last episode and I were in Scotland. We were in Edinburgh, Scotland in June. Last for first. Year. Huh? For first. for first. Yeah. Yes. And the interesting thing about Edinburgh is that um, after or during the plague, instead of like doing things really about the plague victims, they just started building on top of, of the cities that were like dying of the plague. So you literally, if you go there, you have like two sections of the city, like one built on top of, of the other. And it's super, super surreal. So my one regret about uh, being in Edinburgh. So um, I blame the sun being up until midnight because I didn't sleep my entire time when I was at that conference. Like, was it, it was really? Terrible. Was it up the whole way yeah. till midnight? Edinburgh is at the same like latitude as Alaska. So I was going to say. Yeah. I thought, that, I thought that kind of stuff might happen in Alaska. No, yeah. It happens also in Scotland. And um, I didn't, I wanted to go on a ghost tour and I didn't. And it was because I was so exhausted. Like I hadn't slept in days. And then the day that I was hoping to sleep, Somebody pulled the fire alarm in my hotel and we had to, um, we all had to like leave the hotel. But fun fact about that experience is I, we, we all left our hotel and I wound up uh, hanging out with uh, Jake Coons who runs risk-based security, highly recommend an awesome company. And we went to a big Lebowski bar and then started drinking um, white Russians. For the oh. rest of the night. So it was really fun. <laughs> oh, there's a drink for the future that we could just like not oh. end. Like I got a great story about college days and that and how I didn't drink it until like probably two years ago. <laughs> but now I get questions. It's super funny. Like I get, um, like engineers asking me if I know anything about risk-based security. And like, I know Jake really well. I've participated in his conference that he hosts. And every time I see the company name, I think about how I impromptu just drink all of the white Russians. And I got hammered Full with them. Full circle again. Do you remember when I got hammered with Jake? I think, I think, I think that might be a- Not hammered, just like three or four white Russians, which are too many, honestly. Like that's too many white Russians. Art. Art came too. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that might be a good segue to kind of close it out. I mean, we're at, you know, an hour. You know, yeah. And, you know, this was fun. I, think we, I feel like we could have talked for like two or three hours the way this is going. If you just, right. if I could have had like a beer service come in and just keep. I mean, obviously, it's because we're the all listeners friends. won't know, like, is that we'll pause it and still 
chit chat when we're done, but you know, we want to close it down for the listeners. But uh, I mean, I had a great time, Dina. Thanks for joining us. This was great. I, I had a great one. Let's drink white Russians, toast to our successes, and thank everybody that's helped us along the way. That's right. Full circle. Full Full circle. circle. And then, you know, we didn't do our, we forgot the cheers, our our virtual cheers earlier on. He's all out. (sighs) I'll cheers myself. That empty bottle. And and you, you, you put the catchphrase the first time, and then you didn't think it was the second time, but I think it's the catchphrase for the uh, podcast. But, you know, in closing... Stay thirsty. Also, don't die. Don't die. Reading is hard and do science. <laughs> Reading is hard, do science. Thank you, everybody, and hope to see you all soon. As in C, hope you listen soon, and uh, thanks again. Cheers.